This is the Southern Extension. Hello, my name is Chris M. Bonds. Thank you for listening. These are credible sources, and I, I tend to believe them. It took me this many years to even talk about any of this, and then to some people I think it was like a game, it was like a mystery that they needed to solve, and that wasn't the point of any of this. Of course, I knew what he was doing. I, I knew he was, he was leaving, but I just didn't want to accept that. I loved growing up in Paulding County. I've said that a million times. Some people may think I have an in for Paulding County or something like that, but I don't. Oh, years, I interviewed my father, trying to understand what caused this sudden break. Episode 2, Straight from the Heart, Totally 80s. Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. But we think you're crazy for making us write an essay telling you who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a brain, and an athlete, and a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. Where were you on the spectrum? Somewhere in between? In some circles, you hear a common complaint that Generation X, my generation, is the overlooked generation sandwiched between baby boomers and millennials. I've never found that to be the case. I think back to our coming of age in the 90s with grunge and alternative rock, the second decade of MTV, which followed the first decade in the 80s, and those were made just for us. The youth culture shined on us well into the early 2000s as we shed our 20s for the serious 30s and, for some, discovered wrinkles for the first time. Think back to our childhood. There were countless movies made just for us growing up from Star Wars, E.T. to My Own Private Idaho. Hollywood salivated for our eyes and dollars, and so did television shows like Parker Lewis Can't Lose, Saved by the Bell, Beverly Hills 90210, 21 Jump Street, and the MTV Real World series, and so forth. From an entertainment perspective, we've been well represented. It's inevitable that our generation's nostalgic triumph, like The Big Chill or Dirty Dancing, will be made, win a few Oscars, and come with a stellar soundtrack for us to doze off to on our beach holidays. Personally, I'm ready to hear the psychedelic furs set to a splashback of a long-ago high school crush or whams everything she wants playing in the background of a scene of an aging Gen Xer fondly remembering their glory days. Smells Like Teen Spirit will, of course, play over the opening scenes and Semisonic's closing time will play as the closing credits roll. And no... If you were thinking that Reality Bites or The Breakfast Club were our big chill, they don't qualify. If there's ever a Breakfast Club reunion, then that might be it. 
Director John Hughes made a career on Generation X with his teenage movies in the mid-80s. He was a busy man, making five movies targeting us between 1984 and 1987 with 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, and Some Kind of Wonderful. Among those movies, there was always an awkward, outsider, or downright nerdy character. There was the adorable Ducky, with gay undertones played by Jonathan Cryer and Pretty in Pink. There was Watts, with lesbian undertones played by Mary Stuart Masterson in Some Kind of Wonderful. And in Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, and Weird Science, Anthony Michael Hall played a geeky, unpopular character. My favorite character that I have written about in my books resembled Anthony Michael Hall's characters and kind of looked like him too if you crossed him with Brian Adams but with better skin. We meet people at various points in life. Some stay, some go, and then some return like migratory birds. Sometimes people leave us, or we leave them, and sometimes it's both. The act of leaving could be intentional, or just a matter of circumstances. It was that way for my favorite character from the books I've written. Dweller on the Boundary is in part about abandonment as much as it is about loyalty. Abandonment of people, places, boundaries, and morals. The same could be said of Uncivil X, too. I referred to myself as the farewell committee and dweller. I often made friends as a child, and not long after they would move away. This happened so often that the pattern made it difficult for me to get close to people. I hear the faint sounds of in excesses never tear us apart in my head, but as much as I enjoyed writing about the person behind the character of Tavin and how fun he was in real life, he's not my favorite character. The louder music in my head is the Brian Adams song, Straight from the Heart. Robin? Elliot? My mother or father? Or someone else? When David the Bishop came into my life through the chess tournament as an opponent in elementary school, and he took a liking to me, I was hesitant to get close to him too. Little changed when we reunited in junior high, not as opponents, but as true friends. Yet my hesitancy remained in our friendship until I finally abandoned it in 1992. I made myself vulnerable to him and brought him the closest to me that he ever was. In the eight or nine years we knew each other, it was a relationship of coming and going on both our parts. He had the final say in an uncivil ex, and in reality. He left me. Our friendship, quasi-relationship, ended as it should have. He was right to leave, and was right in everything that he wrote to me then. His being right didn't mean that it didn't hurt. We were two magnets that were attracted to each other, and finally the polarity reversed. The loyalty shifted to abandonment. I enjoyed writing about David the Bishop because he was much like me and was often like looking into a mirror. A mirror with a different frame around it, but a mirror nonetheless. He was part of the gifted program too until he quit, enjoyed playing games, computers, and was equally as happy and satisfied in the woods as I was. He was also shy around most people and often trapped inside his own head. He didn't seek out groups and was satisfied with his own company. 
he sought out few people, and I was lucky enough to be one of those people. All of those similarities and the time I spent alone with him, the real him, made it easy for me to write about him. Out of all the characters I knew best, including Robin, my parents, and Elliot, David was the one I was most similar to, and he probably knew me the best. I occupied his head like it was my own, put his body into positions like a model, and put the words in his mouth like he was my fuzzy Kermit doll that I loved as a little boy. He was good at recognizing my faults, complexities, and the secrets I tried to hide from everyone except him. He knew when to push me, where to push me, and he knew, most of the time, when to back off. We differed here. I never pushed him, tried to convince him of anything or sway his thinking. I wanted David to be David. David was of the mind that he could change people, and I had learned early on that that was impossible and likely unfair to try. I wanted to change myself by denying myself. That was futile too, and David knew that. He wanted me to accept myself, my nature, and understand where I belong. In essence, stop abandoning myself and place. There was also another big difference between us. I wished I could have been more like David in this regard, but circumstances had seen that I could not. There was an underlying innocence to David that I had lost. That was part of what made us incompatible. I felt dirty compared to him. None of what happened between us would have happened without a chess tournament and something in his personality that I disliked at the time. At the time, there was something I didn't appreciate about David, part of his personality. Of course, in hindsight, all these years later, I was glad that he was this way. And that was his persistence. David was a very persistent boy. Without his persistence, we would have never have been close friends or anything. And and I really appreciate that about him now. I, I, it frustrated me so much at the time when I was a kid, especially in junior high and in the seventh grade where things really got kicked off between me and, and David the bishop. I made it sound simple in Dweller on the Boundary that, you know, he asked me to spend the night. I thought about it and, and then accepted. But it really was, it took longer than that. It took a good part of a few months from seventh grade for me to ever spend the night with David. I was just so hesitant because I, I was shy. And also, I was so attracted to David. <laughs> I remember one time before I ever accepted and he'd already asked me a couple of times to, to come over and spend the night with him. One day, it was after school, there was like a short window I had between class and going to catch my bus. And I was usually in a hurry because I wanted to get like a certain seat. Well, I happened to be walking to my bus and I hear my name called. It's David hanging out his mother's car window because David you know, didn't ride the bus. His mother picked him up every afternoon, and he lived in another part of the county from me. So we really didn't see each other after school at that point. And, you know, he calls me over, and I come over there, and I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm kind of in a hurry. I need to get to my bus. And he's, you know, asking me to just come, come with him, you know, go spend the night right there on the spot. <laughs> and I'm like, trying to come up with every excuse I could 
I'm like, well, I need to talk to my mother first. I just can't come over to your house. Oh, you can call her. You know, you come to my house and you can wear my clothes and you can call your mother later and tell her where you're at. <laughs> I mean, it was insane. I couldn't imagine ever doing something like that, especially not in 1985 at 12, going on 13 years old. Well, his mother gets impatient. And I just remember her looking so impatient. Like, come on, David, leave this boy alone. <sighs> so I got out of it that day, but he continued to pester me about it. There was another time, and it occurred in public, and my mother was there. My mother and I bought groceries at that time at Winn-Dixie, which wasn't too far from my house. I absolutely hated buying groceries, but we did it every Friday night, and my mother and I are in the checkout line at Winn-Dixie, and I look over, and there was a bank of gumball machines out by the, the entrance. And of course, there's, there's David. And I was like, please, please, please don't turn around. Please don't see me. Just go walk out into the parking lot. Because I didn't want him to come over. Because I knew what he was going to ask me. And that was, he, he was going to do it in front of my mother. And that was going to put me on the spot. And it was really difficult for me. Because there was such chemistry between David and I. That I was afraid my mother would pick up on it. Because there was like this sparkle that happened. And I was afraid my mother would pick up on it. And and I knew if David came over with his persistent attitude that he was eventually going to ask my mother and really put me on the spot. Well, of course, he saw me and he marched right over. We we started talking and of course he turns on a dime and starts asking me to come spend not just the night with him. He didn't want me to come like spend a Friday or a Saturday night with him. He's like, come spend the entire weekend. Come spend Friday night, Saturday night with me. It was like, come move in with me, basically. I kind of felt that way. It was a lot of pressure. He put a, so much pressure on me. And I'm like trying to get out of it. I was so afraid of David because I was so attracted to him. I just knew if I went to his house, something physical was going to happen between us. He eventually turned his persistence on my mother, asking her if I could come spend the night at his house. My mother was like, sure, whatever. I think she was probably glad to get rid of me. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, not, not this weekend, maybe next weekend. I was stalling. Of course, David was just not one of those kind of people that would take no for an answer. He would have made a great reporter. It's funny now, and I so appreciate that about him, but I didn't. I didn't back then. And the thing I was so attracted to David because I was I was so into in, in the mid eighties. I was a big fan of Brian Adams. David resembled Brian Adams to me. He was a better looking version of Brian Adams. He had better skin. Every time I think of David, I always think of Brian Adams too. And eventually, of course, I did say yes, and I spent quite a bit of time at David's house. David and I thought Weird Science was a great movie. We did not put bras on our heads or conjure up a woman through a computer, though. There was, however, a reference to chess in it when the character Wyatt was designing Kelly LeBrock's character and was trying to decide how smart to make her. Wyatt says, we can play chess with her, as if that was an indicator of intelligence. I suppose it would depend on what kind of chess he wanted to play. As David said to me about my blueberry yogurt, everything you say or do has two meanings. Chess had two meanings. The blueberry yogurt, well, 
Back to the spectrum of social status in school and labels, I was somewhere between a nerd, a band geek, and nothing. That wasn't who I really was. I suppose I was just seen that way. I was someone else, and who I truly was is in my books. Next time on The Southern Extension. 1983 was a, a turning point because so much more happened than, than what I really wrote about. Well, in 1983, you had, you had Robin leaving, and I did write about that. But what I didn't write about in 1983 was the reconciliation. The Southern Extension is recorded at Rabbit Tobacco Field. Music provided by Lexon Music. I'm Chris M. Bice. Thank you for listening. My books are available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other fine booksellers. For more information on the Southern Extension or my books, you may visit my website at chrismbuys.com.